Gonzaga Nation SI, we've got the two regulars, Dan Dickow is myself, Adam Morrison, also here. Today, not uh, in person, we're on Zoom, so bear with us if there are any audio difficulties. Shouldn't be the case because technology these days is unbelievable. Hard to believe two years ago before COVID hit, I had no idea what Zoom was. Uh, Did you have any idea what Zoom was, Adam? I thought it was only Skype. And so, like, Skype kind of fumbled the bag. They had the head start on everything, and then Zoom took over. That is true. The one frustrating one is uh, Google Meetings. I have not been able to figure out that one. It's the most frustrating one in the world. Zoom's made it easy. I agree with you on that. So they have kind of taken over the world of business video conferencing. But, you know, that's uh, that's a different topic for two people that are probably more in tune to technology than the two of us. We want to talk on Zaga Oops. Which is what we usually do. Gonzaga had another great week where they went two and zero. I I like the week because they went on the road. They won at Pepperdine, then they hold court at home on Senior Night against Santa Clara. They saw I, I don't want to say two close games, but they at least saw two challenging games. Yeah. Let's start with the Pepperdine game. They went on the road. Uh, Pepperdine's young guy uh, Houston Millette yeah. showed no signs of being intimidated. What did you see in that game? Yeah, I thought it was a closer game, obviously, than the first one. Pepperdine has a, a decent student section, so the crowd was good for them. Um, <clears throat> on and they're playing kind of with house money, as far as uh, you know, the, there's no you know tournament aspirations. Uh, they're just kind of playing uh, to get their young guys going. Lorenzo's letting those young guys kind of let it rip. So um, I wasn't surprised that the game was closer than the one in Spokane. I mean, competitively, you would hope so, and. Lorenzo and Ken Bone are good coaches, so they, he got his guys uh, ready to go. And like you said, Millette hit a lot of shots. The little lefty point guard is a good player as well. Um, Zedek is their only like uh, you know upperclassman. He had a good game, and they got it within eight, you know, in the second half. So it kind of gave us a, a minor scare. Um, but uh, we hold, you know, we held our own down the stretch and made enough plays, and then got the game back to, out of balance and. You know, I think Coach Few in those type of games, you know, the, the conventional thought would be he'd be upset because we didn't play as well. He just likes to go down there, get a win in Malibu. Um, I know it sounds funny, but everybody tends to be a little bit more laid back when you're down there and yeah. you've been around. You know what I'm saying? So, like, he wasn't upset at all. I don't think uh, when we did Brian Michelson after the game on the radio, wasn't upset at all. And it was just like, hey, we came down, got a good road win. Um, we're pretty much done playing Pepperdine this year. They got talented young guys. I'll see you next year. And so, you know, my takeaway was our guys played good enough down the stretch. And, um, you know, it was a good road win. I think that moves it to like, I want to say 41 straight wins against Pepperdine. The last loss against Pepperdine was unfortunately for me, my senior year. When we lost down there, we'd turn the ball over left and right against their press that Paul Westfall used to put on. But going back throughout the course of your career, whether it's, you know, at any level, do you ever remember a team dominating another team for such a long stretch like that? No, I mean, it's it's unparalleled. Some of the win streaks that we have against some of these programs, I mean, it, it even the ones in Spokane and you always think it's because of the kennel and the McCarthy center, which has something to do with it. But like sometimes the winning streaks start in like 95 
98. You know what I mean? You're just like, wow. I mean, obviously that was the Camel time, but it wasn't the, you know, there was good teams, but it wasn't the dominating teams that we have now where it's, you know, 30 point spreads and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I, it's some of these teams you um, kind of feel bad for and not in a, in a pity way, but it's just, you know, you think you would dumb your way into one win somehow, or, you know, there'd be a game where a guy, you know, your best player for Gonzaga, he goes five for 20 and then you have 28 turnovers, you know, and that, that, that still hasn't happened. It's been uh, some tough, tough sledding for some of these programs. So players that uh, he doesn't get the amount of recognition that Drew Timmy or Timberton is getting, but I think he's continued to uh, improve if that's possible throughout the course of the year. And that's Andrew Nemhart. Yeah. He didn't really score at Pepperdine. But the way he's directing and orchestrating traffic uh, in the offense is awesome. He reminds me uh, a lot of Nigel Williams-Goss because Nigel wasn't a great scorer. He wasn't a great shooter. Um, but he had a calming presence on the floor. What's your comparison between those two? Are they similar to you? Are they different? Um, well, you know, speaking of Andrew, I mean, I think he was his line was 14 assists, zero turnovers in that Pepperdine game. And the record was 16, I believe, for Gonzaga. So he was close. He had a couple opportunities late in that game to break it. Um, there was a lob to Chet that Chet just missed, but got it back and scored it. You know, so that meant I 15, then who knows right after that. Um, I think he's quicker than Nigel was. I think Nigel was a more powerful player, kind of a back-to-the-basket point guard, if that sounds um, if that makes sense. Um, so I think Andrew is more downhill and in the open court faster. I think Nigel was better in the half court. And as far as the power game as a point guard position went, he had a better, you know, fade away and, and kind of middle game. I think Andrew's a better outside shooter. You know, we've seen some games where guys go underneath ball screens and can make threes and it makes the right reads. And then he also has, you know, a, decent mid-range game and a nice floater. So I think the comparison is right on point. Calming presence, floor general, smart, you know, can play defense, is going to set up guys first, but if you need him to score, can do that as well. So he's had a fantastic season. He's had a fantastic career here. And, uh, you know, I think he has a chance to be an NBA uh, point guard at some point, you know, whether he has to go overseas for a year or play in the G League, but I think he's solid enough and athletic enough to be, hey, why not be your backup point guard or your third point guard? And then, you know, we've seen it a million times. Who knows what can happen after that? I think he has all the right tools to try to make that possible. No, I agree with you with the Andrew Demart. I, I think it'll be interesting to track his career. And if he makes the NBA, I think he's got the skill set to do it. It seems that he has the mindset uh, and the personality, the character to kind of grind through any grind. obstacles. Yeah, because, you know, career in Florida going, but he realized it wasn't the place for him and his development. He wanted more. And yeah. and so it worked out really well at Gonzaga. Um, one of the things, though, when you look at the league is uh, the older teams are typically playing really good basketball. We've, we've touched on USF a number of times. Uh, but Santa Clara was the opponent on Saturday. You were out of town. You weren't calling the, the Santa Clara game. I was. Wa I watched it on TV. Um, I know we didn't watch it as closely as the other games we have throughout the course of the year. But what I see in those guys is a talented veteran bunch that just doesn't quit. Um, are you seeing something the same when you, you've caught glimpses of Santa Clara right now, a team that's improving? 
Yeah, no, they've had a good run. Um, I think they're an NIT type of team, which is that's not a, a, a bad thing. I mean, that's a program that, that prides himself in um, having success in basketball and, and trying to get back to that. So you have to make steps. I think Betty Yaku having him back really helps for their um, inside presence. Doesn't push as much, uh, you know, difficulty on rankage. And then that Lewis kid on the perimeter is very good as well. Um, so, yeah, I think just having some um, leadership and then understanding um, kind of that they started the season not where they wanted to be, but kind of, you know, scrapping everything together and making a nice little run. Um, it's a good basketball team. I wasn't surprised at the scoreline as well. Um, I think Herb is a good coach, obviously. And then a team like that can come in and say, hey, look, we've all been here, guys. We're not scared of the, the kennel. Then also, like, we have nothing to lose, so let's just go out and kind of let it rip. And they did that and kept it close and kept it competitive. Yeah, I think in the conference tournament in Vegas in a week or so, if you're St. Mary's, if you're USF, and especially if you're BYU, you don't want to see them in the tournament uh, because they could be the spoiler of you making the tournament. I mean, right now, uh, I've wanted to, and I've thought it's a four-bid league throughout, but now it seems that you know BYU is trending out of that picture, unfortunately, for the league. But um, you would hope if it's USF, because it looks like they got, they got Gonzaga Thursday, so that doesn't look like a win in the win column. Um, so you're looking at Santa Clara could play spoiler to the, the league having three or four teams. I think so too. Yeah, it's their tough matchup. They got enough scoring inside. They got enough scoring on the outside. Their point guard play is good. Obviously, experienced coaching, uh, experienced players. And they're saying, hey, look, if we get the 20 wins, we should be on the NIT line. Um, so they're still playing for something as well. Um, so yeah, it, it's a scary matchup. Um, when we played them at their place, I thought it was kind of anomaly. We, we kind of blew the game out, um, but we shot. That was the stretch where Tim, Timmy was 27 to 32 in two games, you know, so and we made, I think we made 12 threes or something, you know, over 10 threes. So it was kind of anomaly. Like it, it didn't feel like a team that kind of laid over. It's just they, they ran into a buzzsaw. And then I think the game mentioned in, in Spokane on senior night was the true, you know, Santa Clara team, albeit they got beat. Um, they looked a lot more competitive, a lot more skilled. Over the weekend, it was NBA All-Star weekend. I had the chance to go to the All-Star game one time kind of as a as a player. I wasn't involved. I wasn't good enough. <laughs> but I was around it. Uh, watched the dunk contest. Watched uh, the All-Star game. Uh, this weekend's All-Star game was in Cleveland, and one of Gonzaga's own, one of Spokane, was a part of the festivities. John Stockton was one, named one of the top 75 players all time. You know, both of us know John well. Um, I think it's an amazing accomplishment, and it's so cool to see uh, a friend of and a and a Gonzaga alum recognized in such a way. I don't. I'm not putting this out there for you to tell me who your best favorite or who your favorite or best player of all time is. Was I will say Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time. I don't think he can be touched. But is there one player in that top 75 um, that you were like, man, that is awesome? I wish I could have gotten to know him or know his game more? Um, I, I guess I think I guess the hardest part with that list, and I know I'm kind of going a little bit off what you asked, is like where does like a Jokic and a Giannis and like a Luka Doncic stand? Because I think that they're, you know, 
right in that uh, wheelhouse of being, you know, considered or will be the, that type of player. Um, so, yeah, um, there's not really one, I guess, but I'm also like, okay, what's the top 100 team going to look like? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because and players are so much better now as far as nutrition, all that stuff. The numbers are inflated too. Like, where does like a Devin Booker go? Is like a Russell Westbrook, you know what I mean? So, yeah. When I'm thinking of that list, which is fantastic, it's just, you know, I was old enough to remember the NBA 50 list, you know what I'm saying? And, and that was kind of cool. So um, I, I'm, I'm more curious of like who makes that in 25 years, obviously. I know it sounds funny, but like all these great players now, it's like, how, okay, so how, do you, how are you going to figure that list out? Because the numbers are so inflated, but it's a pretty cool honor for John and, and obviously well-deserving. Well, Adam, appreciate the time. Gonzaga Nation, SI, it's always good to catch up and talk about uh, Gonzaga Hoops, the WCC, and a number of basketball topics. So uh, appreciate it, and we will be back with another episode.